1: I'm Aaron Sagers and this is Talking Strange. Aloha, spooky nerds, and welcome to Talking Strange, a paranormal pop culture show with the Den of Geek Network. And you should probably know this by now. I hope you know it. I'm your host, Aaron Sagers. I mean, I've been your host throughout all the Talking Strange, so same deal. Still your host, journalist, author, researcher of all things weird. Currently, it can be seen on Travel Channel's Paranormal Caught on Camera. Also on Discovery Plus, as it happens. We have new episodes airing currently from our fifth season. And, you know, I just got back from the Strange Escapes event at Belvoir Winery in Kansas City, Missouri. Missouri, I guess. As some people pronounce it, I don't think anyone actually pronounces it that way. But when I went to uh, when in journalism school and the Associated Press style guide, that's how they Great. guided us, how they instructed us to pronounce it, Missouri. No one ever says that though. Anyhow, Strange Escapes it the the Belvoir Winery at the Odd Fellows Home sure. there. It's more than a century old at this point, and it is an excellent location. And of course, Strange Escapes. Is hosted by Amy Bruni. And she brings out from Kindred Spirits and Ghost Hunters, and she brings out a bunch of paranormal investigators and researchers, such as Adam Barry and John Tenney and Chip Coffee, and then me. And I was fortunate to be there as well. So it was good times, and a lot of crazy stuff was happening as we were poking around in the dark. And as we are doing this, as we always do, anytime we're at these events, anytime we're we're together as colleagues as people that that are, are seeing what what goes bump in the night we're exchanging theories we're exchanging ideas and no one has the answers no one has a rule book but we're all working off of ideas not necessarily strict belief but ideas and that's something that i'm interested about with uh, our guest today and the person that i'm about to bring on because She's a person that has a lot of theories, a lot of ideas, and also approaches things from a pretty unique perspective, not only with the content that she creates on TikTok as well as Instagram, but a little bit of her background, a lot of her background influences these things. And I always love talking to people in the paranormal realm that come to this community from a diverse uh, experiential set. And she is a paranormal investigator, a licensed embalmer. Her interest in the afterlife began while growing up in an antique store. And she has a social media audience as My Bloody Galantine, where she features unique stories of grief, the afterlife, and paranormal encounters. Her name is Becky Ann Galantine, and I'm excited to bring her in now. Hey, Becky Hi. Ann, how are you?
0: I'm great. Thank you for having me.
1: I'm I'm so happy to have you. Now we met at the Mount Washington Event Resort in New Hampshire. I guess that was November, last November.
0: Yep, yeah, I still think about that one. That was a good one.
1: Yeah, was that a good experience for you? Mm-hmm. It's what what are kind of your. The I I obviously have looked through your TikToks and I get a sense of what you like to gravitate to, but what has been sort of your most kind of like cozy investigation? Because I like hotels because it means we can investigate the paranormal but also sit by a fire and have a cocktail.
0: Oh, I know. Like the bed and breakfast vibe is like, it's like, do I really get to do this? Like, is this my life? Because you're a little bit spoiled with those. So uh, if you asked me a few years ago, I would have said, I do not like the hospital, like big spooky location vibe. And now I'm like hooked on it, especially more recently. I'm like, Ooh, what, what other uh, sanatorium or asylum can I get to? So, um, I don't know. I've been falling asleep a lot on investigations just because I'm like, "Hmm, I just feel at home. Mm
1: -hmm. I, I do like the hospitals, the prisons, the, the asylums. And if you've not, have you been to Belvoir winery? Yeah.
0: No, I was um, vicariously living through all of your posts. I was like, this actually looks like such a cool place. So
1: it, awesome it that really is. Like that.
0: Yeah.
1: We need to get you out there for that. The and, and everyone that's in the audience, thanks for joining us. I know we've got a couple new folks that we haven't had in here before. So thanks for joining. Get your questions ready and throw them out there. Now, Becky, and your upbringing, you grew up in Starford, Pennsylvania.
0: Yeah. So it's this, nobody's ever heard of it. It's a small coal mining town. I think the population is less than a thousand. And my parents actually operated an antique store at a big intersection there. And all of our neighbors just had those row coal mining houses. They didn't really get updated. It's just very like kind of eerie driving through. And one of the main spots like in the town is like this old abandoned schoolhouse. And there was another schoolhouse up the road with the window shot out. And it was just like, you know, just like a very woody vibe like that kind of haunting you know like you think about the areas that like mothman and stuff like that occurred in. it's that very like middle of nowhere vibe um and my parents operated the antique store so we were on the road every weekend we lived upstairs and then the downstairs was a barn that was repurposed into a house so they remodeled the upstairs for us to live in and then a bunch of dead people stuff downstairs
1: yeah Yeah, so you're pretty much early on, you're already surrounded by these artifacts of life even before you become a paranormal investigator.
0: Right, and now with the paranormal investigative lens, I look back at these experiences where we're in these homes where someone recently passed away and I'm like, four or five years old, holding on to what may have been the most significant object in this person's lifetime and holding it. And obviously, as a kid, I wasn't thinking about psychometry or anything like that. I was just like, hmm, like, you know, wondering. And I started thinking more recently about how it felt like the person was still there. And, um, you know, a lot of these homes were very old and all the objects were still just as they left them. So, um, thinking about that now I'm like I didn't stand a chance like there was there was no way I was going on like the the standard career path after that
1: yeah were you a weird kid
0: um <laughs> I am like you know weirdo is a term of endearment in our circle so I guess maybe I was a strange kid I was gifted uh, when I was eight years old they put me in a gifted program so I always had like unique interests and you know one of the kids that played with bugs but i don't think i was like hissing at people in the hallways or anything
1: (laughs) well that's a different level i think but the yeah i mean just like being into peculiar things like what were were there i know that you collect ouija boards and spirit boards but when you were a kid and you would go into these these homes and 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 then collecting items for your family's antique store Were there items that you were kind of gravitating to that you wanted to hold on to for yourself?
0: Uh, So (laughs) I had a little cat collection, actually. Um, I collected ceramic cats, like anything that was cat related. And my wallpaper was cat related. So, And cats are great. So I still stand by that special interest. But I wasn't like, you know, I like the greeting cards, too. I remember specifically enjoying looking at the greeting cards that they had left these sentimental notes in, but there wasn't anything like um, metaphysical or anything that I was interested Mm -hmm. in. Rocks, though, yeah, I did get into rocks because of that. A lot of these places, um, you know, people were traveling, especially like in the 20s, 30s, like, you know, when they got really into going abroad and taking things from other countries, um, a lot of them would have like souvenir collections. And my brother and I specifically like those kind of items.
1: That's a pretty cool one. The I mean, it's it's rocks, but that's pretty cool thinking about the people when they were first stra- traveling. That that's those were the things that they were bringing back. The um, that so cat collection. Okay, I like that. That that's a pretty good one. <laughs> did you, uh, did you kind of learn about just the psychology of people as well uh, as you were kind of going through these homes? What did you learn about people overall?
0: Um, Well, I guess that's the first, as someone who collects objects today, it's kind of interesting that I saw so much of people leaving stuff behind after life. It's kind of interesting because you can't take it with you. So then these families are left with liquidating these objects and deciding what they're going to fight about and what's going to be left for the estate sale. And the fact that people kind of stand in line and like run in and to grab these objects, like who's got the good objects that I want to wait in line to go grab or whatever, um, you know, I thought a lot about that. but. Um, it didn't affect me. I wasn't like, you know, I know that when we die, we die. I still like to surround myself with objects, with histories and feeling like a custodian of something.
1: Yeah. You mentioned greeting cards. I think that's actually pretty fascinating as well, because I don't really see it so much anymore, but there were a lot of vintage greeting cards and postcards and whatnot would convey some piece of history or even folklore or superstition, things like that. So it's an interesting wealth of knowledge of a time that was passed along in greeting card form. Is that something that you saw uh, with the with greeting cards that you were uh, checking out?
0: Yeah, I think that might have been why we were interested in them because the artwork's different than what we saw. It wasn't, you know, you always see that one grandma who's a little grouchy on greeting cards today, Mm -hmm. but the the artwork was different, and a lot of them did allude to that, like especially the older Halloween ones, and um, looking back, Valentine's even had like talking boards on them in the 40s, so I always think that's very interesting because, you know, Ouija was originally a dating game, so seeing the way that the culture's changed, I mean, when was the last time we mailed a postcard to anyone we don't really think about that another thing i thought was really interesting is you know you see all those landscape postcards but the postcards of locations like asylums and hospitals and it's like greetings from this place you know i'm I'm looking at one across the room for brownsville hospital which was the first abandoned kind of haunted place i ever went to and thinking about like what what were you reminding someone of when you sent that in the mail
1: yeah your so your first kind of paranormal or unexplained experience took place, uh, I think it was 2009, right? And it, it was sort of you set out investigating this as a joke.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's like you know, I I have to say it as a joke because it, we didn't know what we were doing, and I remember saying, "Hey, let's go ghost hunting," because we had heard of people doing it, but. You know, I didn't really know it was a field of research at all. And we walked there, which I feel like um, if you think about the projection of the paranormal into an environment, taking the action of walking instead of being like almost instantly placed in that environment creates anticipation, you know. So we're walking, we're waiting for something to happen. I have a flashlight, I have a Canon point and shoot and like a really bad like three megapixel phone. And we're sitting there for about 15 minutes. And as I know today, it's all about patience. But back then, it was like, eh, it's been 15 minutes, nothing has happened. And that's when I kind of caught this blue glowing like ball uh, out of the corner of my eye. And I remember saying, guys, did you see that? And there's like, Becky, be quiet. Like, you know, they thought I was messing with them. We were frustrated, they're ready to leave. They thought it was dumb, almost felt silly for even thinking that. And I was like, no. And we had about 15 seconds before it changes direction. So it hovers and I would be able to write it off as maybe like some sort of weather phenomena. If it hadn't hovered for about 15 seconds and changed direction came in between my friend and I, and we both jump in opposite directions. So the confirmation of a second person being present for my first paranormal experience, obviously helped propel my ability to believe in that. So after that, I remember being like, "Like, what just happened? And I thought, in that moment, I felt fear because I was like, it wasn't a flashlight. It couldn't shine on a surface and it didn't make a sound. It was almost as as if everything stood still as this ball just like came towards us. And I'm like, there's nothing that that could be. So the first thing I did is I did a science class in the state, it was a biology class that I was taking. I looked at my professor and I said, do you believe in the paranormal? And I had like this smug expression on my face. I was like, do you believe? Because I know it's real now, I saw something. (laughs) And he was like, absolutely not. And that kind of pulled me away from the path that I was on, which was studying biology and actually getting into pre-veterinary biology. And after that, I approached the Paranormal Society of IEP, and I explained my experience, and they obviously embraced it a little bit more. And that's when I started skipping class and doing ghost hunting every night and being a, a little bit of a mess.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, and and I think so many people can share that experience of the starting out in the cemetery, kind of as a gag and maybe not knowing what they're doing, but then you have that experience that turns you on and sends you down the path in a little bit more serious way. And well, and and hopefully still having fun with it. I know you do, but people that take it too seriously without finding the fun in it, that's that, that disappoints me. I mean, be serious when you need to be serious, but also have fun with it. The, but it was still a while before you started to study mortuary science. What was the shift for that why why go there
0: so a few years into like investigating I think I kind of just strayed away from it because I was seeking that high from that experience and I didn't really have it again and then I just kind of was living on the fringe and hanging out in like the punk scene in Pittsburgh and going to shows and just living day by day I um I will honestly say I was living to die. I was like, I'm, you know, whatever happens, happens. And then a close friend of mine passed away. And for that, I, I people I know don't die. I was like, what just happened, you know? And she was like amazing and talented. And not that I needed to prove something or it was like this grief thing, but I just felt like I wanted to know more about what happened to her. So when I entered mortuary school, I actually thought that dead was dead. and. Um, how could it possibly be anything other than that? And then you get into mortuary school and you find morticians that are like, yeah, death is death. And we don't want to interrupt the grieving process by talking about this kind of stuff in the the clinical setting or in the professional setting of a funeral home, but they all have ghost stories. And that's something I learned in the industry very quickly. And that's what this rapid change in my lifestyle was. But yeah, it, it was a an interesting process.
1: How did how did pursuing mortuary science and then becoming a an embalmer how did that alter the way you you personally think about death, dead bodies, the afterlife? You you said that you you kind of people did tell ghost stories and whatnot, but when you're physically doing it, how did that change you?
0: So I'll admit that before school, I kind of was like, ooh, I love spooky stuff and creepy stuff and death is cool. But I didn't really understand what it was to sit with a grieving family. And to think about the afterlife in the context of this is just a 100-year-old or 20-year-old version of what I sat in the setting, in the professional setting, in the funeral service with, is what really changed it for me. Because when I speak and I try to communicate with spirits, obviously I try not to go in with a bias or an approach that's um, a end all be all. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm speaking to someone that may as well have been a family member of one of those families I was sitting with and trying to give the most care for that I possibly could.
1: It's something that I think about when I do investigations is that you know my approach is like i don't i don't present myself as a paranormal investigator even though i investigate and i but i i think of things more from a journalistic standpoint and trying to get to know someone conduct an interview essentially without interrogating them but also you know when we do these events or when we have only a brief amount of time in a location even if it's several hours that's still a brief amount of time we want these responses and yet we have to try to keep in mind that if something's in there, if we believe we are talking to someone that had maybe once occupied a physical body, not to, not to treat them as like a, a dancing bear or a clown or something for our amusement.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a balance, right?
0: Yep. And I liked what you said a little bit ago about how, you know, to be serious when you need to be serious. Now, there have been locations where I've been to, and it's like, I've been here three or four times. I feel very comfortable and familiar with the location and whatever I've been communicating with seems to be consistent. And that's where you see the more fun kind of videos where it's like, do we really just get that? And then there are other situations like the Lost Children or the Alleghenies that my friend and I feel as that we communicated with for, for 45 minutes straight. I didn't have makeup on or anything. We were not attempting to record this. We just thought, you know, I feel drawn to them. I have these little slices of life where they're just like popping into my life. Like I had gone to a haunted hotel and there was a painting of them on the wall. The first time I talked about them, it went viral. I'm like, I meant to tell their story and I want to bring you into this. And when we communicated there, I was on the ground, like on my knees, like come to me with tears down my eyes. And I'm like, this, That would not be a situation where I would joke or um, really do anything because I felt like I had a level of trust. And again, like you said, if we believe that this is what's going on, I'm going to approach it as sensitively as possible.
1: Yeah. Although I have to admit, I do enjoy it when you tell a bad dad joke uh, (laughs) during an investigation. (laughs) Is that your actual humor is uh, bad puns and uh, dad jokes?
0: no the the first one that I posted um I I didn't think that that would be the response that would happen we had the REM pod going off and we're like let's try this and the first joke I could remember is a joke that I was told at a party in like 2009 and I remember this kid Stefan telling me this joke from a book it was the only joke I could think of in the moment and it came out and I was like of course we get this like laughter and um, and and it went viral and people uh, there was actually an article someone wrote about it and they were saying how bad the joke was. And I'm like, my joke, my actual humor is kind of akin to the movie, the burbs, like very dry (laughs) humor. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I just kind of got swept away into that.
1: I love bad dad jokes. (laughs) I am not a dad, but I love bad dad. I just like puns. And And, but I also think that it's, it is, it's a way of getting some sort of reaction. I mean, I, I, I I like the normal, again, conversation instead of interrogation of, you know, how was the food here? Uh, what kind of music did you like? Yeah. Or, or do you like posing it in present tense? Um, so I like, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's kind of a, good approach to things when you do dip into that because it's very human.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. That's exactly what I love about it. And like you said, asking about the food, that's one thing that I always like to ask, especially at the hospitals, like, how's the cafeteria food been lately? And you'll, you know, at one point I was at an asylum and they said, you know, I miss the food from home and I wish I had a snack from home. And I was like, you know, that usually brings a, some sort of response because people feel very passionately about cafeteria food or whatever they were presented because um, my guess is it's less than ideal.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, with the, just going back for a moment to the mortuary science, you know, a lot of people ask like, why would a graveyard be haunted? And I think it's a fair question and there's a lot of theories about it for you. Why do you think that, a uh why would a a a corpse still be haunted essentially contain some of that energy from the the living why would they be sticking around when they have shuffled off that mortal coil from your theories your experience tell me a little bit why
0: from a mortuary lens i I actually was one of those people that a few years ago would have said, I don't believe in cemetery hauntings or that they get the reputation for being haunted until you see a graveside service where, you know, someone is there on the worst day of their life. I don't know if I particularly believe it's haunted by the corpses that are buried there as much as they are you know, maybe a grieving family member who went there frequently and cried or had picnics at the graveside. Maybe they felt comfort and solace there. And that at that moment, they died themselves because they lost the most important person in their life. And I think about hauntings in that way. um, If we're removing the idea of the, you know, psychological projection of a haunting and people thinking at at graves like Midnight Mary, where, oh, she you know, I think it's haunted because people kind of perpetuate that legend. So um, from that aspect, I think that you can almost feel the sensation of one of those graveside services that might still linger for something that was very momentous for someone.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's when we we talk about strong emotions, leaving behind some sort of psychic imprint. Well, yeah, the loss of someone is so significant that that's like the, them, their release valve, their chance to like really have that moment. I also, I've, you know, I've, I, I, I think when it comes to dead bodies, I kind of wonder sometimes I've, I've been on the, the scene of some violent deaths and crime. And, and I think I wonder if sometimes if, if, uh, and you might hear New York city in the background, it says hello to you. And, I kind of wonder almost if it's almost like a therapy, afterlife therapy, that maybe they're processing their own death and have not yet been able to move on yet. They, they're kind of holding on to that body in some form or fashion because they're not ready to let go.
0: Yeah, because it had happened so suddenly or something of that, that nature. On, on the contrast of that, I also... Um, like to let people know, because one of the biggest criticisms I get is nobody's died there. Like nothing bad ever happened. There been no tragedies at the site. Why would they be there? And I'm thinking, why wouldn't they be there at a place like, you know, the Mount Washington? It's like you feel it almost like come to life when you walk in there. And some of the places that used to be speakeasies where people have um, really happy memories. But, um, you know, going back to what you said, there have definitely been cases where uh, I'll reference the lost children as, um, I, again, because people would believe why would these two kids haunt the woods? And what we found was they weren't murdered, which I actually had the bias, unfortunately, going into the investigation that I felt that they had been murdered. But what actually had happened is I believe they kind of laid down by the tree. They were tired from walking. They had been lost in the woods for so long that they laid down by this tree. And when they woke up, they were no longer in their living body and they kept walking until they reached this farmer who has the psychic dream. So I'm like, the farmer didn't kill them. They died from exposure that is documented, but people always assume because he had the psychic dream. I'm like, what if they kept walking, found the farmer sleeping and, and they were like, Hey, come find us. And came to him in the dream. Like, um, and I never thought that my feelings and bias would change on that situation. So I think for them, the reason they're lingering is, they just kind of woke up and didn't realize what had happened
1: yet. I think that's a really solid theory. And yeah, I agree that there's lots of places that are lively, that happy places, uh, not no tragedy, and maybe not even any deaths recorded there. But people kind of leave a little bit of that uh, such joy that it makes an imprint on a place. I think that that's probably quite likely. Uh, Becky. I'm going to take a slight break and then come right back with you with Becky Ann Galantine, my bloody Galantine. We have more spooky chat on the way. And speaking of spooky, spooky nerds, I'll be headed to Rooster Teeth's RTX Austin this July 1st through 3rd. And I would love to meet our Talking Strange listeners and viewers. Right there in Austin. I love Austin. Austin is a great city and a delightfully weird city. And RTX Austin is the world's greatest podcasting, gaming, and uh, animation convention that brings together incredible entertainment. And really a great community is brought together there. It's a wild weekend full of fun, surprises. You can experience just simply the best in podcasting. Everything, including you can see your favorite podcast personalities over three days of panels, live shows, special events, meet and greets and more. And we will be doing a live special live recording of Talking Strange, joined by some local podcasters of Austin to talk about all things high strangeness connected to ATX. Okay, don't ghost me. Instead, show up in corporeal form, or you can show up in ghost form, but you still have to get a ticket. And the way you do that is go to rtxevent.com, use promo code DENOFGEEK to purchase your admission badge at a discount, or go to bit.ly slash rtx. So come get weird with me in Austin. See you there. And I'm back, back with Becky and Galantine. I'm curious... Well, how's, has this paranormal field been welcoming to you and your pursuit and 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 your creation of videos and your investigative tactics? Have, have people overall been pretty welcoming to you in this community?
0: Um, it's actually funny because uh, a few years ago, I remember telling someone like, I'm not trying to make this paranormal content, I'm trying to like have my career and mind my own business. And I just kept started telling a little bit of a ghost story on the internet and then a couple more ghost stories. And then all of a sudden, I feel like I've been embraced in the community in a way. And I'm like, why is this happening to me? Like, I, I always say that it, it's good to walk alongside spirits and allow them to, you know, the, the right people will walk alongside spirits and great things will happen to them. And That's obviously far from why I do it, but I never try to like run ahead or use them as a stepping stone to get somewhere because that's not what's happening. It's all an accident. And I obviously posted stuff on the internet with intent, but people started finding me and they're like, can you investigate with me? And then all of a sudden, you know, last week I was in nine different states in nine days investigating in four of those states. And I'm like, how is this my life? So I still feel like the carpet has been swept underneath me. I'm super appreciative. I was just telling someone that, you know, a great friendship is a 10 on the scale of zero to 10, but a great friendship and meshing or being able to interchange your ideas uh, and beliefs on the paranormal and have those kind of discourses is like a 25 out of 10. Like it's like mm-hmm. the best kind of relationships that I find. And I really didn't know it existed uh, several years ago.
1: What is, from your perspective, what does the paranormal field need?
0: Hmm. I don't know. I, I think that it's hard to say what it needs or else we would be bringing it in there if we could. Um, because I don't, I don't know what it needs because, you know, People say, well, we like how human you are and we like that you're sharing these things that feel or make me feel that spirits are real and they're just people. But I can't for sure say that's what's needed. Um, I just think that we need to be welcoming of new voices and ideas and continuing to be open to hearing other people's theories instead of being set in stone. Um, I say that my beliefs are kind of living in a way and they can always be changed. And I'm always willing to learn from other people. And there's been times where someone's like, I've been investigating for six months, or this is only my second investigation, and I'm still learning from those people. So I think just continuing to be fresh, as well as being honest, is what it truly needs.
1: I'm automatically suspicious anytime I go to a location, and they're assigning me rules about some potential haunt about the ghost likes this and doesn't like this, or, uh, this is, this is what ghosts do or what they don't do. Like, I I don't think you have, you know, the signed authorization from the ghost saying, here are my preferences. Here's my, my, uh, haunting, like dating profile of like my likes and dislikes. (laughs) Um, It's not really based on, it's based on theories and trying to establish patterns, but it's not rules and and even those theories could be wrong. I mean, you could be dealing with a different potential spirit every time or maybe one time they liked a thing and not the next time.
0: Absolutely. And it, the same way with a person, you might assume someone loves something just because you got a response, but if you haven't thought about things from every facet. And like, how can we turn this over? How can we try something different? Then how do you truly know? My other personal favorite um, when going to these locations is when they're presenting evidence from what they received through, you know, ITC and like Spirit Box responses. And they're like, this is fact we found out from this investigation. (laughs) Like there's there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. And I've honestly been shocked at Locations, their censorship of things, people telling you you got something wrong because you weren't interacting exactly how they prescribed you to. It's very interesting,
1: and I understand people like to because this is unexplained and we're intrigued by it. But we also, as humans, like to apply order and put things in in boxes. <laughs> but <laughs> it, I, yeah, I often, yeah, I, I mean, I, I will just be like, you know, I get it if you. If you need to come up with a name to address a potential spirit by, I get it. I understand why, but, you know, maybe I didn't, maybe I don't want to be called Franklin. You know, maybe you saying that makes me less likely, calling me Franklin makes me less likely to respond. I don't know. It's a, it's always kind of curious to me when we come up with names for ghosts, because it's like, how the hell do we know whether that's actually the. The name we can we you know, again, sometimes things come through that that seem to correspond with historical Mm -hmm. fact and evidence. And that's interesting, but it's still working in the world of theory.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as I always talk about that. I've been recently. Um, presenting on social media and the paranormal and talking about that in different circles and how a lot of people don't know how to discern a seemingly relevant response and coincidence. And it's like, yes, you said, hey, Mr. Franklin, I would like to speak to you and you received a yes or no response, but that doesn't mean solidly fact that you spoke to Franklin and that's what he, he said to you. And I think that is actually one of the biggest flaws that's happening right now is they're like, yes, I asked for the spirit and received this response that was relevant. So that's definitively the answer.
1: Mm-hmm. The other thing that that I find curious, and, and this is not, a lot of people are talking about this now. I, I think that there's been this nice expansion of ideas in the last few years of just because something re- responds to your question, it doesn't automatically... I guess my where am I going with this that a lot of times people think that they're interacting with a childlike ghost and they they want to be sweet and kind to the childlike ghost. Well, maybe it's the ghost of a a full grown person that's just responding to that those questions because, hey, it wants to have a conversation. It, Mm -hmm. It just wants to be involved somehow
0: my personal favorite is the childlike ghost that's actually a demon posing as a child and that's probably the most frequent warning i receive on social media it's people are so impressionable it's like and and the responsibility of having a platform in this community and saying something you believe is either fact or absolute i i will never do that and i will never go out and say hey this is this because how impressionable i see because someone watched some youtuber say something and now they're coming at me saying that's not a child or that's not this or that and like you said you you don't know you can't you can't see you're hearing these responses and you're just assuming or you're talking it like let's say baby talk or the, the small voice <laughs> or Oh, if you just roll the bot, come here. And and they're doing stuff like that. And then they get a yes and they're like, oh, it's the little kid for sure. I'm gonna cry, or they get really emotional. And it's like that that's your perception being projected in into the investigation.
1: Yeah. And plus nobody wants to hear me use baby talk. No one wants <laughs> to hear that. It's we do have a, a comment just uh from Spooky Tim. I know Spooky Tim. And okay. saying, that's why I stopped using spirit uh, slash ghost boxes. Too many false positives become evidence. Uh, it's, you know, I think there's interesting applications, but it's also very easy to fall prey to uh, subjectivity. Let me let me just shift gears a little bit. You recently went to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. That was your first time there, right?
0: Yep. Um, I had been flown out to LA to investigate the theater and that was the only thing I was able to cram in and see while I was there.
1: How was the experience?
0: I loved it. It felt like magic. I know some people it's local to them and maybe some people are tired of seeing it but for me I just I never thought I'd be in a position that my travels would bring me there. So being there I don't I don't care about famous graves I'll be honest. Um, I don't care about I care about unique graves or graves with like lore or history I'm not there because of the celebrities but seeing a cemetery that even has a palm tree in it to me was like wow this is amazing and there's peacocks here like it, it was just the sensational experience and the only grave I really wanted to see was Roz Williams of Christian Death but the um, there was a service going on in that chapel so I didn't get to see that one.
1: I'm so I'm based in New York City not too far from you I guess and but I'm originally from Florida and one of my favorite cemeteries, every, every cemetery sort of has a different personality that reflects the area, the neighborhood, the area, the region. But one of my favorites is in Key West. I don't know if you've been, have you been down to that one?
0: No, I haven't been there.
1: Okay. Well, we're going, we're making it happen because just the unique graves, the quirky graves, it's, and it's a lot of times, sometimes they are markers of people that were famous to the community, but then there's that interesting component that because someone has a a funny quote or a unique uh, architecture on their gravesite, they become a celebrity post a post mortem celebrity. You know?
0: Yeah, that's that's exactly what I look for. Actually, it's like the ones that it's like. I don't care that some famous person who lived this amazing life is, is buried here. I care that this family kept their daughter's corpse in their home for over a year before burying her, or the this guy was stood up in his coffin and his wife married him after death. Like to me, that's like the perfect blending of like the afterlife and, and the living that makes me like, you know, go nuts. And I I do like to see the interesting memorials as well, because it's like, you had to contract someone to make that. And some of them I'm like, Ooh, how do you, how did you explain that? Like you sat down and you're like, all right, Mr. Carver, I'm going to need this. (laughs) And (laughs) it's interesting.
1: Yeah. I, well, and the, as far as some stories of people keeping corpses around before burying them, there is a famous one down in Key West. Well, I guess the actual marker is no longer there due to lots of uh, hijinks that ensued, but the the story of um, Count von Kassel, I believe his name is, and it's a it's an interesting one. But we're I'm I'm making it happen. We're going to get you down to Key West somehow. Are you a with with regards to TikTok? Obviously, it's it fascinates me how I guess the paranormal spreads to any new platform and any new media. It's just a natural. Give it enough time and. People will be talking about the paranormal on any platform, but, <laughs> but it, it's, it's like paranormal and porn are two things that just seem to dominate anything automatically early adopters on any new platform. But for you, when you're looking at, looking at TikTok, what have some have been, what have been some of the most impressive Paranormal pieces of evidence or TikTok videos connected to the paranormal outside of your own, of course. What are the ones that are out there that have really struck you?
0: There was one that really, you know, I don't get spooked easily, but I'm sure it was fake. But this guy posted a video that was his own voice across the house saying, Come here. And and I was like, I wish I wouldn't have watched this late at night, but Um, I think more uh, compelling than evidence because we can't do you know this you know this more than I do we can't do anything with a video no matter how compelling it is not being present in that moment and knowing how it was obtained we can only speculate so for me I'll watch something and I'm like this is real it's amazing but I I will never ever know there's no way I can know this so To me, what's really impressive is the younger community jumping on TikTok and wanting to have integrity, wanting to go through the right steps and learning how to approach research in an honest way, wanting to debunk things. Of course, we have our skeptics who are already in the community that are debunking these things and they're doing a great job. But when I see someone who is an influencer who gets interested in the paranormal and they're like, wait a minute, I wanna take a few steps back and actually treat this as a field of research and respect it. That's what really impresses me out there, and there there's a few people that I'm like that they're going in the right direction. It's not about ego and getting ahead. So that's one of the more impressive things that I've seen. Um, as far as anything else goes on TikTok, I I try not to consume too much of it because my standpoint right now is that there is a lot of misinformation and there's a lot of sensationalizing um, and absence of context. And one thing I like to discuss in uh, my talks is that if there's no context, if we don't know what led up to that video, we don't know what happened 15 minutes before, we don't know the history, we don't know who was present. There's absolutely an absence of context in this scenario what are it does this really have a place for us to share on social media what value does it actually have when you only have 15 seconds which is like a sliver of an entire investigation so you know I'm interested if someone's in their house and they're like hey I'm home alone and I saw this obviously I'm gonna take a look because how can you look away but at the same time it's like it's really hard for me to you know really always find a reason to put weight on those kind of videos
1: it is it is such a challenge and not just TikTok, but youtube but network television cable television the uh, across the board anything i and obviously this is a world i'm involved in as well and it's it's a challenge because doing a show called paranormal caught on camera right there in the name paranormal caught on camera we're we're saying hey this is what we're going to show you and i still struggle with what led up to this moment and what all is going on behind the scenes. Ultimately, I, I try to tell people that I, I try to speculate, not validate as if, 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 you know, as much as possible trying to accept the story at face value, even if sometimes I, I question it try to as much as possible accept the story at face value and then if the best thing i can do is start a conversation about it and what that might mean or what theory that might be attached to or what what piece of folklore phenomena that might be connected to then i find it interesting but it is a challenge isn't it, it is it's because we want we're interested we are interested in this stuff But also,
0: I think there's an enormous power of being present. And, you know, just being there while the stuff is being consumed. And um, the one thing I always make sure that I'm open to is when I put out my videos, if someone can debunk something, please, please do, please feel free to walk all over me and say what you think, because I'm open to hearing it. And the one thing I've noticed about some people is if you're like, hey, I noticed that there's that looks a lot like this thing that i see all the time when you aim your camera at a bright light and it creates this green orb and they're like absolutely not like no way and they're not receptive which i think is important so um you know that's why i do encourage a lot of people who are experienced in the field to be looking at what's going on on TikTok because i think the more we're there the more i've noticed people are being open to hearing new ideas open to you know maybe spirits are human and they're not all demons uh because it is an interesting platform.
1: Well, yeah, the I there I think like with everywhere there's this obsession with demons on TikTok, much like on YouTube, much like on network television, and you know across the board. And yet, I tend to find that that's it's it's not really there's not a demon around every corner. I think demons have better things to do. If demons are out there, why you know they they're not getting a whole lot out of me. Why bother me? <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah. And I think that like presenting that alternative viewpoint, because I'm like with television, you're able to communicate with the person who uploaded that. And you can actually ask on the ground level, Hey, when you uploaded this or when this happened to you, why are you feeling this way? Why do you think this little response or voice is absolutely in fact this? And when they start to peel back the layers and think about it, which I think most people don't, they don't want to work backwards and analyze. Um, when you start to mention these things, they're like, Oh yeah, I, I guess you're right. And I'm not trying to put an impression on you. I'm just asking you to look inside and see what yeah. you're thinking.
1: What creeps you out at this point?
0: People people and coyotes <laughs> that's pretty much it um people always ask like uh, are you afraid there there have been situations where I've felt any range of emotions on investigations and I never feel like I need to leave even if I feel uncomfortable but at the same time um most most of the time nothing happens actually nothing that I feel writing home about uh and there's a lot of quiet evenings but the main thing I'm afraid of is, you know, I'm at this abandoned place or I'm at this hospital that is a prescribed haunted location that I paid to be at, but they warn me that trespassers come in. I'm afraid of that. And I'm afraid of the coyotes that are often <laughs> on some of these investigations in the middle of nowhere.
1: People and coyotes. And yep,
0: you it. gotta watch out
1: <laughs> before I, before I wrap up and let you go. Actually, I did want to ask very quickly about your uh, Ouija board collection, spirit board collection. How many do you have at this point?
0: um around a hundred uh there it's kind of messed up when you come to my house i'm like open a drawer because i'm looking for something and there's a stack of, of talking boards because obviously i keep the historic ones for people to come see so that's like 1940s and prior typically out in the open and then you know i have bookshelves and i'll tuck in the like victorian planchettes or like you know 1890s and And such, and then in the back room, I have like the pop culture board. So I have like Scooby Doo and Elvira and Ozzy Osbourne and all those things. So it's like it's actually kind of comical because you cannot enter a room in my house that doesn't have some sort of variation of a Ouija board in it.
1: Yeah, well, that's kind of to be expected. When you know, like I've, I've, I mean. It's something that kind of goes hand in hand with the with a lot of our mutual friends and the Talking Board Historic Society folks that we yes. we both know. The Is there a Chase Ouija board? Is there a Quest Ouija uh, board that you're on the hunt for?
0: I actually tackled that right when I started collecting. Um, it was around a decade ago. So I wanted the wireless messenger that was made in Connecticut and I wanted the first one that was ever made. And at this point, I will never have all of them I don't think it, it's possible even if you got every manufactured one um so it's just the ones I'm most interested or in whatever pops up on eBay that I don't have yet or whatever is you know at the antique mall or someone contacts me with something because it it really is one of those things like I thought collecting my little pony years ago was bad and that I would never have all of the 80s my little ponies and now I'm like I got in something that it's literally impossible to have them all so um I I basically crossed off everything that i wanted except for like variations and handmade or you know pieces that there are very few of
1: right well do you have a minute for a very silly game yes okay i'm gonna throw up the animation for said silly game Okay, it's called Discover, Debunk, Destroy. Sort of like, uh, you know, Mary, bang, kill, but paranormal. And I give you three options. And what are you going to destroy? What are you going to discover? What are you going to debunk? Okay, Bigfoot, Nessie, and Jersey Devil. Discover, debunk, destroy.
0: Uh, discover, Nessie because I'm obsessed with Nessie or was in high school. I always just have like this whimsical feeling. Um, I guess, oh boy, that's tough. I really left myself with some bad options here. Uh, Nessie's my favorite, so I'm still sticking to that. But uh, I guess, mm, mm, you really hit me with a tough one. Okay, so I guess I would debunk Bigfoot because I feel like Bigfoot might be a little bit, I don't know. This is hard. Why did you do this? Um, Because there's so many communities and I don't want to offend anyone, but I would debunk Bigfoot because I'm less interested in seeing him than the Jersey Devil, which kind of terrifies me a little bit. So I think the Jersey Devil would be the one that I would Destroy.
1: Destroy.
0: (laughs) Because um, if I saw it in real life and I was in fear, I might maybe, I don't know, like when you squash a spider and then you're like, maybe I shouldn't have done that because I needed to learn more about it. That's what the Jersey devil has been um, <laughs> sorry, sorry to the Bigfoot communities.
1: I, lo- well, I love that response. Don't worry. It's I made you pick one. Plus, I was just in um, Ness not too long ago and took a little little stroll in the water. Did not get did not get eaten. I uh, just, just got cold. I don't
0: but. think Nessie eats. I'd like to think of her as like kind of a unicorn in my mind, like just like something beautiful and mysterious. I think she was a gateway creature or they, they he, yeah. they, or Nessie. And uh, my personal feeling is, you know, that scene in Napoleon Dynamite when he was like, scientist, you know, tried to blow Nessie out of the water. That's my feeling about Nessie. So,
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, ghosts demons angels discover debunk destroy
0: discover ghosts because i think that i am obviously very entrenched into that side of things and they interest me very much and i think that there's so many things that a ghost could be and it's um the manifestation of energy has so many possibilities that I'm, i'm interested in that um Oh boy, I guess I would like to debunk angels. I apologize uh, again to any angel communities out there. Um, Regardless of the depictions, I always see like these viral posts that are like angels actually look like this. Um, I'm just, I've never been interested in angels or anything with angels on them. And when I go into stores that have things with angels on them even if they're like new age stores, I'm like, "Hmm, this isn't my vibe. So debunking angels would probably be the most because that's not saying like everything that's biblical. That's just like the biblical depiction of angels in that pastel, like nineties washed angels. Um, They can go away. And, um, I guess I would destroy demons because, well, you know, there are demons that are not evil or like the depiction we see in films. So it's not really fair, but they're just the odd one out. But, um, if we're going to talk about the harmful, uh, if demons means the harmful and not harmful ones and they do exist and not all that is, you know, just made up to scare us and associated with uh, biblical fear or whatever, then I guess I would destroy that. And the good demons would have to be, uh, you know, a byproduct of that destruction.
1: Yeah. And I made you just, I made you choose. So, you know, it's not your fault. Okay. <sighs> well, we'll, we'll end on a internet uh, style one. Slender man, the rake, and night crawlers discover debunk, bunk destroy,
0: destroy Slenderman um, because he's creepy. Um, discover night crawlers, and I'm actually not familiar with the last one. The 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 rake,
1: the rake, just another creepy pasta kind of creature. Um,
0: oh, i heard of that one. I apologize. Oh, no, it's Can okay. What is it like?
1: He's uh, just like a creepy little dude or monster type thing. I think he's pretty much Slenderman adjacent. But, mm-hmm. you know, but you're going to destroy Slenderman?
0: If people died in the name of Slenderman. We have to destroy him. True,
1: true. Okay. In
0: life, humans that are living
1: <laughs> yeah. died
0: in the name of this, this Slenderman. So um, I can't bring those people back to life, but I, I can... Make sure it never happens again.
1: That's right. You are.
0: It, does destroy mean delete?
1: Yeah, kind of like just wipe you off know, the. Or is it
0: like we have destroyed the Slenderman and nothing can come forward.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I mean, really, if I'm gonna be honest, when I came up with this game, I was just looking for some alliteration and. <laughs> <laughs> and and destroy is what came up. All right. So,
0: this is really tough. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anyone answers these like quickly with no response, like no context. I'm, I want to know. I I gotta watch every time you do this now.
1: I okay. like that you put thought into it, so I give you kudos on that one. <laughs> um, but I will now let you off the hook because you performed admirably on these on the uh, discover debunk destroy game. If I get Angel
0: Bigfoot hate because of this, I'm sending it to you. Send it
1: my way. Yeah. Yeah, the team up of the Bigfoot and Angel communities.
0: (laughs) (laughs) greeting card. Circling back to the greeting card, it's Bigfoot. He's got Angel wings, and they're like, how dare you? And that's it.
1: (laughs) Why couldn't... You know, maybe Bigfoot is an Angel, you know? (laughs) I would appreciate a Bigfoot that is an Angel as opposed to an Angel that's like the... The, as you said, sort of the greeting card angels or the overly cute pudgy angels or long flowing blonde hair angels. I oh, don't so really care for those angels.
0: Like, like the curly blonde hair and like that that blue and purple. Like there's a specific, there's actually an angel talking board. And I'm thinking of that right now. And I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah like that kind of angel.
1: angel yeah, I know. <laughs> I, it cracks me up those angel talking boards because... People are like, well, I don't use a Ouija board. So op- that opens the portal to hell, but well, I use the angel board. It's the same thing.
0: <laughs> I don't use Ouija boards, but I'll use this very specific talk. Ozzy Osbourne's fine. Scooby Doo Ouija board. Fine. And I always think it's like so interesting and like how people like project these like ideas on this stuff. Um, oh, what's the other one, the psychic circle and, yeah. and boards like that, too. It's like what happened here that it's it's acceptable.
1: Again, it goes back to, I think, people wanting to apply their own rules, like these safe zones, put it into a box. It's something unexplained. And I'm curious about the unexplained nature of the universe, but I'm going to put it in a wee little box just to contain it. So it's so I can wrap my hands around it and apply rules to it and say, okay, this is this is how it is. It's you know, it's It doesn't really
0: gaslighting actually when I get it on social media and they're like, I actually got one, a good one today. So uh, this person said, we'll see what happens when you're on the news about my house with the talking boards. And it's like, I get these ones that are like threats. I'm like, you're creating something negative just by like leaving all these comments. But people are like, Oh, you think you're fine now? Well, you'll see, or, you know, like mess around with those. And, and like I said, it's like gaslighting or like, you think you know what you're talking about, but you're just a little girl who doesn't know. And it's like, who are you to even say that? Like, I would never say anything like that to someone, um, even if I felt like what they were doing was wrong, unless it's affecting someone else. Like, just let people do their thing.
1: Yeah. You, one might might think there just might be some misogyny and intolerance and uh, threats on the internet.
0: Hmm. Are you serious? <laughs> to me.
1: I know. I'm like mind blown, right?
0: <laughs> Outside of this space, yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> uh, well, uh, Becky and Galantine, I appreciate your time today. Of course, everybody, you should follow her on TikTok and Instagram at my MyBloodyGalantyne. I know she also has some other exciting things on the way that she's working on that she can't talk about yet. But when she is able to, we will happily bring her back. And Becky, I hope that I get to see you in person at some point at an event, get to hang out and, um, and just nerd out about spooky shit.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing each other, especially um, if in November when, when the time is right, we'll definitely be seeing each other then, but hopefully before then.
1: That's right. All right. Well, thank you again for your time and for yeah. everyone out and, there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, Guys, don't for thank you for joining and listening and watching. Don't forget to subscribe, download every week Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you put your podcasts in your ear holes. And check out our talking strange videos at youtube.com slash Love to hear from you at Aaron Sagers on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, all over the place, and at Talk Strange Pod on Twitter. So wherever you are, until next time, be kind, stay spooky and keep it weird.